It's time now for Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is underwritten by the Knights of Columbus, Council 6923 and Fishers, and is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. If you have any comments or suggestions for this program, please contact Bridget at catholicradioindy.org. That's B-R-I-G-I-D at catholicradioindy.org. Or call 317-870-8400. Now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, Jim. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And boy, I tell you what, that date is creeping, creeping right up on us. The date I'm talking about is August 24th. August 24th. That's the day for our Catholic Radio annual dinner. Now, because of the uh, COVID situation last year, we had kind of a virtual event, and we really miss seeing all you. So uh, we're having a real live in-person dinner again with real food, real fun, and uh, we really want to see you there. It's August 24th at the uh, Northside, formerly the Northside Knights of Columbus Hall, now the Northside Event and Social Club, same place, still run by the Knights, uh, just a new name there. But uh, August 24th, it's going to start at 6 p.m., have a live auction, a silent auction, uh, and a great speaker, Father Vince Lampert, the exorcist for the Archdiocese, is going to be our speaker. And Father Vince has always got lots of information about uh, exorcism and what it is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's written a new book about it, and uh, I'm sure he'll have uh, some of the books available there if anybody wants them the, to purchase a book. So that's August 24th. You can register and uh, purchase tickets online at Catholic Radio. Indy, I-N-D-Y, CatholicRadioIndy.org. Or uh, you can just call us here at the station at 317-870-8400. 317-870-8400. Again, the date is August 24th. We really hope to see you there. Well, Jim mentioned, you know, uh, you know now that now that COVID is kind of winding down, we are getting back in person, and which is really awesome. But, you know, it's really interesting. We've heard throughout the whole pandemic how bad anxiety and depression have been among people that maybe never experienced that before in in the past and so um i'm curious and this is why we're having this guest today i've heard that the stress associated with the pandemic although the pandemic is winding down is still kind of lasting it's like this post um post-COVID stress. So here today in studio um, is our guest. Uh, It's Rachel Smith. She is a mental health counselor with Secure Foundations, and she's here going to talk to us about this post-COVID stress and how to manage it. So welcome, Rachel. Thanks for being with us. Awesome. Thank you both for having me here today. It's good to be here. Now, I want to talk a little bit about um, your background. We're just meeting you here for the first time, and and I know you're with Secure Foundations. Um, Tell us about that practice and then maybe what you do and maybe how long you've uh, been in this field. So I have graduated with my master's degree in counseling. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a lot of work. I'm sure it was. (laughs) Um, So currently, I am a licensed mental health counseling associate, uh, and I work as a therapist at Secure Foundations, uh, specifically with different mental disorders that people struggle with, um, as you're saying, anxiety, depression, trauma, 
specifically one field that I'm interested in and work with a lot of spouses actually who struggle with those who have addiction disorders. Um, so obviously I work with people who are addicted, but I work with the spouses as well. Um, but Secure Foundations is actually a Catholic therapy practice. We're located on the southeast side of Indianapolis, and we work specifically uh, to help remove psychological barriers that people are struggling with, um, removing those psychological barriers to kind of help them in their spiritual life. And, you know, I, I've always, um, we, we try to have, when we have therapists here or people with mental health expertise, we we always try to get people that are Catholic because it's just a different take, I think. Mm-hmm. What Can you talk a little bit about how the um, having a Catholic mental health uh, person, professional helping you is an advantage or what kind of a different perspective they come from? Right. So with my clients, I work to see them in the image and likeness of God. Uh, I try to see them as a whole person, as a body and soul unity. So working not just with the, you know, the disorders that they're coming in with, but really seeing them for who they are. And one advantage I think we have in our practice is I really realize that the work that I do, it's not my work, but it's God's work. He's the one that can work on people's hearts. He's the one that can really help them. Um, And one thing that I've been seeing with a lot of my clients is that Jesus can really lead them to deeper insights, uh, just so many deeper breakthroughs than anything I could do for them. Uh, I pray for my clients by name before and after each session, and I've just seen how much he's really able to work on people's hearts. Um, One thing that I'm really seeing with people is Today, people are struggling just to know their worth or just to know um, just their value in today's society. And again, it's something that I can't really tell them what their worth is. But when they ask Jesus and when they ask who they really are, he's the one that can show them their value and help them with a lot of the disorders that they're struggling with. Now, during COVID, I'm sure you no doubt did a lot of counseling by way of Zoom meetings and that sort of thing. And now you're probably getting back into more and more live and less and less Zoom. Is there a difference between kind of the relationship between you and a client on Zoom as as opposed to face-to-face? Um, there is a difference, but I haven't seen it as much impact the counseling relationship. So as you're saying, in the beginning, definitely I was doing all Zoom, <laughs> Zoom counseling sessions. And my clients were actually saying they were surprised at how much it didn't take as much away from the counseling session. We feel like we were still able to work on our goals. Uh, We still feel like we were able to uh, have successful therapy. So I'm grateful that there is maybe a little bit of difference. Mm -hmm. So now I'm starting to see clients in like in the actual um, therapy office. And I guess the differences that I'm seeing is you're able to see a lot more just of who they are as a person, mm-hmm. you know, with a screen, you just see kind of just their face sure, and sure. being able to see, you know, body language and feeling like you're building a little bit more of a connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, especially for those who are homebound or for those who are still struggling at home, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, online counseling has become a really good option and a really good opportunity. And I don't think that there's as much of a difference. And I still think that they can still get the full benefits of therapy. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. Uh for some people, maybe there's even a uh, a positive side to the Zoom meeting in that they're in their home, in their own environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you have to 
travel a distance to go to someone's office and sit in the waiting room and then be invited in and all that, uh, where with Zoom, you're right at home. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it can alleviate some of the stress of like, you know, you're, 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 let's say you're dealing with anxiety and then you have to like drive, you get out, get dressed, you know, you're, you're totally frazzled by the time you get there. It's like, I didn't need help before I got here, but now I do. Well, we're, t- <laughs> we're talking with Rachel Smith, mental health counselor with Secure Foundations. And we're talking about, uh, want to get into our topic of um, coping with anxiety and after this um, pandemic and maybe ongoing stress, I want to get give us a little bit of an overview of of why COVID really caused so much more of a, I guess, mental health crisis with stress and anxiety. Those two mm-hmm. are the bigger ones, I'm guessing. Yeah. So obviously with COVID, so many people have been experiencing a lot of different emotions. Um, obviously with the shutdown or with schools closings, um, the difficulty that we are experiencing is just being separated from one another. And we thrive in community, we thrive with with other people. And one of the biggest things we were experiencing is just loss. Uh, obviously the loss of um, your life. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life as we know it. And obviously some people had actually lost people to COVID, yeah. but also losing experiences as well. Uh, just looking back on this year, there's so much that has changed. But I think as you were saying, Bridget, the, the two predominant um, emotions that people are experiencing is anxiety and depression. Um, anxiety on one hand with the fear that they're experiencing, you know, what's going to happen next? Am I going to get sick? Am I going to lose my job? just the the constant unknowns and people find security in knowing and this past year has been (laughs) none of that Uh, but then on the other end depression uh, people who have been experiencing so much isolation and really not being able to be around their loved ones able to do things that fulfill them or go to events Um, so that has very much increased depression and just the isolation that people are feeling just feeling extremely lonely and just not really knowing what to do about it. Now, I wonder if that was an unexpected consequence. I mean, initially we were all told, okay, don't go to work for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And thought, oh, wow, hey, okay, I won't go to work for two weeks. Two-week break, this, this, is, this is pretty cool. And then it was extended oh, another couple of weeks. And then, and then, and then, uh, until it, well, we've all just lived through it. So we, we, we know what it was all about. And I'm wondering if the um, kind of mental health aspect of that was an unexpected consequence whether people didn't uh, in your industry didn't expect uh, that to happen in the quantity that it has right and I I think one thing that's interesting in what we've done uh, with mental health is looking at people in all aspects so looking at you know physical health mental health emotional health and so although the shutdowns and everything was good for our physical health, you know, not wanting us to get sick, not wanting, um, you know, to spread COVID. So it was good for our physical health, but then taking in the whole account of the person, yeah, not necessarily recognizing the effects that it would have on mental health. Um, Just so many, you know, nursing homes in which the elderly couldn't visit their loved ones and so many things that obviously was very good for, you know, physical health reasons, stopping the spread, but um, dividing people and, you know, people not being able to see one another. That was one of the biggest things where Mm -hmm. I don't know if people really expected how big the mental health crisis would get Mm -hmm. because of this. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious as we um, 
you know, people think, okay, well, things are opening up, you know, why am I still stressed out? Why am I still depressed? You know, shouldn't I be feeling better? And I, I've talked to so many people that are like, well, kind of, I don't want to say beating themselves up, but they're thinking, well, okay, well, I'm still, I'm still stressed out by what happened. You know, I mean, is there such a thing as post-traumatic stress? As a, re- as a result of this, I mean, I know you kind of associate that with like maybe war or, you know, a, a, a more traumatic event like, you know, like 9-11 or, you know, something more significant. Right. But I mean, this was really significant, you right. know. So is there, I guess my question is, <laughs> why are people still feeling bad and is it okay for people to still feel bad? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People yeah. are like, okay, it's, it's over, get over it, you know? Yeah. Well, and one thing that we say in therapy is that people's emotions are valid and they're always trying to give us information and they're always trying to tell us something. So if people have these emotions, there's there's a reason why they're there. And I think one thing that we do uh, so often as a society is just to push things under the rug or to be like, you know, you're fine, you're fine, let it go. Um, and not as many people have processed this past year. It's like, although, again, life has physically started to move on and people are starting to get back to normal. Um, emotionally, they haven't really processed what happened. And so if we think about it this past year, as I had mentioned, uh, there was just so much loss. There was um, so many things. If you think about the weddings that were pushed back, the graduations that were virtual, uh, so many things that people missed out on. And people have not really had the opportunity to grieve or just to really lament the losses that they've had over this past year. Um, and one thing that we've seen with emotions is that if you have these emotions and don't process them, they don't go away. They find a way to get buried within ourselves and they come out in different ways. So if people are still feeling stressed, if they're still feeling you know, anxious or different things like that, um, this often shows that maybe they haven't processed everything that's happened this past year and they're trying to act like it didn't happen, whereas it may be better to be able to recognize these losses and work through that. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to manage this post-COVID uh, stress and anxiety and um, how to focus on self-care. So we're going to talk about that when we come back in the second half of Faith in Action. So stay tuned for more. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Across America, there are quiet heroes changing lives every day. When disaster strikes, they lend support. They give hope to those in need, warmth to the cold, and help to those society ignores. Over the past decade, they have given more than $1.5 billion and 700 million hours to charity. When it comes to making a difference, the Knights of Columbus are on the front lines. Become a Knight and be the difference. Learn more at kofc.org. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we're talking with our guest, who is also in the studio, Rachel Smith. She's a mental health counselor with Secure Foundations, and we've been talking about this post-COVID stress and per- perhaps lingering depression. And we're going to talk uh, in the second half a little bit about self-care. And Jim, you had a question you wanted to ask. Well, just how we would recognize uh, someone I that needs self-care i mean in in ourselves even how do i know if i need it or not um so one thing what i was saying how we recognize that we are a whole person with you know body soul emotions and 
one way that we would recognize that we need self-care is when all those things aren't functioning as they should. So stress, you know, often comes out in our emotions. If we're finding that we are getting angry a lot more easily, if we're getting stressed a lot more easily and can't necessarily regulate our emotions as well as we typically can. Uh, but our bodies also have a way of showing us when we're stressed. So if we're feeling tense, uh, if we have stomach aches, headaches, um, really if we're just not experiencing things as we should, and and also in our souls as well, if we're trying to go to prayer, but we feel there's just something in the way, we just can't connect with God, and there's so much that's blocking us. Uh, and our bodies kind of work all, all together, and so if there's something that's off, it shows that we just need to break, and um, yeah, we just need to be able to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, that... I'm sure there's people that now that are listening and saying, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I've been grouchy kind of, lately. Kind of wearing just which of those apply. <laughs> or of all of them, too. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, okay, so what are some of the tips in terms of how do you, what is self-care exactly? Maybe define that and then talk about what are some of the ways that a person can take care of themselves. Right. So the way that I always start defining self-care is first by saying what self-care is not. Okay. Um, And so many people think that self-care is just kind of existing, you know, scrolling on their phones, binging on Netflix. And, and again, you know, maybe in moderation that can be okay, but so many people choose things that actually don't rejuvenate them and they really end up exhausting them a lot more than helping. Yeah. Like 11 hours on social media. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That might burn you out a little bit. uh. Right. Right. Right, for sure. <laughs> so if we think about self-care, the idea is it um, for it to rejuvenate us more than take away from us. Mm. So something that actually fills us up, uh, helps us be more energized, um, take our minds off of the stress that we're experiencing and really be able to fill us. And so self-care looks differently for everyone. Because, uh, okay. yeah, people have all different ways of rejuvenating themselves. Um I like to bring up kind of four different areas where people can work on self-care. Okay. Uh, So one is self-care for your body. Um, Obviously, some important things are to get good sleep, which is Mm -hmm. so hard to do nowadays, but, but it is imperative to help us be able to think more clearly. Uh, Also being able to eat well and exercise uh, has been proven to boost our mood uh, and decrease our stress. Uh, So that's for our bodies. For our minds, it's really good to just take care of our brains and being able to process our emotions uh, through journaling or through self-help books or so many people go through their days without checking in on how they're doing. So to be able to take that moment and just to, you know, process things in our mind. Uh, third, uh, working on our souls, as I've mentioned, and uh, being here at a Catholic radio station and being a Catholic <laughs> practitioner, um, it's just so good to take that time uh, to either go to prayer, uh, to go to one of the sacraments, to go to Mass. Um, it's so important for us to recognize that we cannot get through our days on our own, but being able to be filled up with Jesus. Uh, and then last, uh, I always like to talk about the importance of community, which is something we've been so mm-hmm. depleted of this past Absolutely. year. Uh, So connecting with family and friends, and uh, I guess a benefit that came out of COVID is so many people can connect virtually now. There's been so many virtual platforms, and so again, even if people either don't want to leave the house or are homebound, they're really able to still connect with people through various means. Yeah, that's all really, really fascinating in terms of those four areas of, you know, how people can really, you know, work on themselves so it's not what well, i think is fascinating that what you mentioned is that self-care can be different for everyone mm-hmm. you know like maybe some people play golf 
for them to be rejuvenated. Right. Some people do Minecraft, you know. Right. I know that's really popular. The, the Simply go for a walk. Or simply go for a walk or mm-hmm. walk their dog or, right. you know, have some kind of art arts and crafts that mm-hmm. they do painting so right. it, it's going to look differently for everyone um when does somebody if you're struggling mm-hmm. when when does someone are there indicators if you need to get professional help and i mean you don't necessarily have to be severe um, i think the whole stigma of receiving mental health care mm-hmm. is i hope getting less and less right. do you think that's the case and then um when does someone when should should someone seek a mental health professional so i think one thing we're seeing is that the stigma is going down that more people are being able to recognize when they need therapy and more people are being able to be open about the fact that they're going and so it is becoming a lot more common and recognizing that even with the stigma, um, mental health should be something that people regularly take care of. People go to the doctor, people go to the dentist. And so kind of having those regular checkups on your own Mm -hmm. mental health, Mm -hmm. like you do for everything else in your body. Um, But some things that people may realize that may indicate whether they should go to therapy. Uh, One being is if they recognize that their quality of life is decreasing, kind of in multiple areas, um, whether in work, whether at home, uh, whether at school, they just, things just aren't going as they should. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that people are seeing is if they kind of have a repeated pattern, whether an addiction, whether certain broken relationships, just something that continues to happen over and over again. And they can't figure out why they're doing this. They can't figure out, you know, how to break it or how to get out of it. Oh, they're, they're stuck. Yeah, <laughs> stuck exactly. Stuck in a loop. <laughs> exactly. Like stuck in a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people have tried various means. They've tried, you know, different things, even going to prayer and, you know, doing everything they can and just continuing to say that nothing works, that <laughs> they're trying everything they can. And we recognize that one of the biggest things that hold people back from coming to therapy is saying, you know, I'm praying about it. I'm, I'm praying about it. It's fine. God's going to take care of it. And, and although I believe God can do anything, you know, he can heal people. He can, he can do anything. Um, but we like to make the analogy, like if, you know, if you can't see as well anymore, you know, do you go to the eye doctor or do you pray, you know, to have your eyes get better? Do both. Do both. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So God definitely can help. And we've seen him being able to help in therapy, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes there's a point where people do need professional help as well. Now, when you say professional help, is that something that people come in for one visit and a chat and they're all they're all better now? Or or, uh, is it a sustained thing or is it a lifelong thing? I think it depends on the person. It depends on kind of what they're going through and kind of their willingness to work on different things. So a lot of my clients that I see are for certain periods of time. So they come in with different issues and kind of working through different things. But um, I always say kind of my role as a therapist is to kind of work myself out of a job (laughs) because I'm wanting to help these people gain the skills and tools to be able to do things on themselves, to not need me or not depend on me. And so being able to send them forth, knowing kind of how to help take care of themselves, but always knowing that my door is always open in case if something else comes up or if they have other things that they need to work through, they can always come back. Um, But yeah, seeing that that course of time is helpful, but kind of hoping that they get those tools and skills to be able to do it on their own. So for people that are listening and they're thinking about, you know, maybe I would like to talk to somebody. Uh, could you go ahead and give the um, 
the website or the contact information for Secure Foundation so that people can have that handy if they want to connect with uh, the practice that you're in. Sure, sure. So again, our practice is called Secure Foundations, um, and the website is www.rocksolidhelp.com. It's rocksolidhelp.com, R-O-C-K-S-O-L-I-D, H-E-L-P.com. Uh, and my work number, actually, if they wanted to reach me, is 317-661-1776. Again, that's 317-661-1776. I'd be happy to uh, talk to people about just kind of what they thought of this podcast or um, kind of if they had any questions or desires to seek therapy for themselves. Now, so, do you, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Jim. Uh, I was wondering, you are a uh, kind of a Catholic-based uh, organization do you work only with Catholics no no we definitely and one thing that we do as therapists is being able to respect the other person's beliefs it's you know we don't impose the Catholic faith on them uh, we look through a Catholic lens we believe that they are body and soul um, but we accept people of you know any religions of any you know beliefs and kind of respecting what they believe mm -hmm. and being able to help them in that way so what's it been like? That was a great question, Jim. What's it been like for you, like for your faith journey to be able to serve in this role and to kind of be, I guess, the hands and feet of Jesus in your in your profession? What's it been like for you personally? Uh, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that I, I am not in control, <laughs> um, especially with my clients recognizing just how good God is and how he is able to help these people. And I'm just, I'm merely the instrument. I'm merely just the channel that he uses to help these people. And so it's, it's been beautiful to recognize how much he provides and yeah, just how, how much he's able to help these clients. And yeah, I don't have control. A question just popped into my mind about age. Is there a age that uh, I'm thinking maybe a six or seven year old just doesn't seem normal? Is that something that they should work out within the family or should they maybe seek professional help? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? It's a good question, and um, and I probably should have mentioned, in our practice, we only see people ages 14 and above, okay. um, but there are Catholic practitioners in Indy who do see children, and I think that, I think it really just depends. Um, a lot of times, so play therapy is a big thing mm -hmm. for children, and that is something that helps kids uh, gain empowerment and kind of learn how to make their own decisions, and you know, some children are in difficult home mm -hmm. lives and kind of need that break to be able to work through things and um sometimes it could be family therapy sure. as well whereas sure. you could bring the child in with the family mm -hmm. um kind of the way we see it is it's not just an isolated you know issue there's mm -hmm. things that we can work in with the entire family so it could be something that's beneficial mm -hmm. to bring the whole family in so if you could give the contact information one more time then our guests will have that handy. Perfect. Uh, again, my name is Rachel Smith. I'm a mental health therapist with Secure Foundations. Uh, our website is www.rocksolidhelp.com, R-O-C-K-S-O-L-I-D-H-E-L-P.com. Uh, my number is 317-661-1776. Well, you've given us a lot to think about here, some great tips on self-care and how we can go forward uh, in this post covid world um thanks so much rachel for being our guest today god bless you awesome thank you both for having me here you've been listening to faith in action the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives faith in action is underwritten by the knights of columbus council 6923 and fishers and is produced by catholic radio indy if you have comments or suggestions for guests or topics for this program 
please email Bridget at catholicradioindy.org. That's B-R-I-G-I-D at catholicradioindy.org or call 317-870-8400. This program is pre-recorded. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 